Well, hello and welcome to the Imago Nutrition Podcast. My name is Mark. I am one of your hosts. I am here with Danielle Glesney, my business partner, sister-in-law, dietitian extraordinaire. Danielle, how are things in the St. Louis area? Very good. Very good. Thanksgiving's we're, we're around the corner here, and it's frost on the ground. I know. I know. It's definitely... Uh, moving from fall into winter-ish, that's for sure. So as we're recording this uh, mid-November uh, in 2022. So we have an interesting question today. And so this is the podcast where we answer your questions and give you practical nutrition strategies to help you and your family flourish. And so if you have been curious about the trustworthiness of claims made on food packaging. This is the episode for you. And so we hope to kind of clarify and give you some strategies or some um, ways to think about some of these claims or some considerations and equip you with uh, perhaps a more uh, appropriate methodology for uh, ascertaining um, some of the values in these foods that we consume and are marketed to us pretty heavily uh, by com- uh, by companies. And so um, anyways, all that's to say, if you have a question, you can always send us your question. You can do so by going to our website, Imago Nutrition, I-M-A-G-O Nutrition.com slash podcast, Imago Nutrition.com slash podcast. And when you go there, you'll see a web form where you can fill out your question. You can send it to us and we will consider it for a future topic of an episode. And so with that, here's our question for the day, as I alluded to. The question is, when looking at food packaging, how do I know which claims I can trust and which are just marketing? Great question. And for those of you that have met me, um, you may already know this. For those of you that have not, you may not. Um, I am a marketing director by trade currently. So I have uh, been in marketing in various industries my entire career since 2003. And so I have a, a deep passion for marketing, but I also have frustration, of course, with marketing, particularly when it comes to uh, some of the Nutrition side of things, fitness side of things, certainly the supplement side of things. Like that, that'll be a whole nother episode someday where I'm gonna, I probably have uh, the most amount of frustration with marketers uh, in the supplement industry. And I at one point worked in the supplement industry. So I come from a bit of a credible position on that. And so all that's to say, we're not gonna get too deep into that or any specific industry, but just know too that uh, I'm not anti marketing. We're not anti marketing uh, by any means. Again, I've made a living off marketing. And so I love marketing, um, but we want to we want to work through this idea of claims that are made on food, and what are the validity of those? Validity of those? What are the trustworthiness of those? And so, Danielle, why don't you kick us off by taking us through how to think through this again? The question is: When looking at food packaging, how do I know which claims I can trust and which are just marketing? So, how do you approach this topic, or how do you think about these claims uh, on on uh, on, on food packages. So um, the front of the food package is where you'll have claims like good source of vitamin C or good source of fiber or organic or low sodium. Um, that's typically what you find. Those are those um, health claims. Um, and those are typically on the front. And then when you turn it on the back, obviously you have the nutrition label with, you know, serving size and the number of grams or milligrams um, in that serving. Um, so 
what's interesting is some of the um, claims do have specific definitions. Um, so for example, like sodium-free or salt-free means that the product in one serving has to have less than five milligrams or very low sodium means 35 milligrams or less per serving. Um, and so it's kind of hard to remember those specific definitions. Um, it would be best to actually know kind of what your goals are and what you need. Um, so if your goal is lowering blood pressure, um, you would need to know your sodium goal for the day. If your goal is losing weight, you would need to know your calorie goal for the day. If your goal is, um, you know, heart health, it could be sodium goal, fiber goal, and fat goal um, on those nutrition labels. So um, the answer to your question, Mark, is really to always turn the package over um, and look at the nutrition label mm -hmm. so you can see those numbers. Um, I think, you know, those health claims are nice to get your attention, um, but we still need to think about your specific overall goals um, and what those numbers are on the back of the label. So um, first thing, uh, obviously looking at the serving size. So the serving size and the, the numbers on the label would only mean you get five grams of fat if you have that serving size. Obviously you'd have more, you know, if, you're, if your serving size is larger. Um, so speaking of fat, you know, one goal to think about just for heart health um, is choosing five grams or less per serving on the nutrition label. Um, the next highlight I would uh, talk about is sugar. Um, so thankfully they give us a new nutrition label, which makes the sugar a lot easier to understand. So in the past, it was just total sugars. Um, and then there would be, um, you know, some lines under that. Now they have switched it to total sugar and how many grams of added sugar. Um, so I don't recommend looking at the total sugars at all because that is including the natural sugars that we find in our dairy called lactose and our fruit called fructose. Um, so only looking at the how many grams of added sugar on the nutrition label and not the total sugars. And so with that, you want to know that one teaspoon is four grams. Um, so one teaspoon is four grams of added sugar. So you would just divide that number, say it's eight, you divide it by four, you have two teaspoons of sugar in um, this one serving of the product. Now, um, the goal is not zero grams of added sugar a day. Um, the American Heart Association recommends men to have nine teaspoons or less of added sugar per day. And for women and children, six teaspoons of added sugar or less per day. Um, so, you know, there's some wiggle room. And I always like to think about that added sugar. Um, sometimes it's in a, in a really nutrient-dense food like kefir. Um, so there's actually eight grams of added sugar per serving of kefir, I guess, depending on which brand you buy. Um, but think about like in those eight, in those eight grams or two teaspoons out of your six or nine, how many health benefits you're going to get from that. So you're going to get 12, 12 probiotics, which is double the amount of the best yogurt on the market. You're going to get, um, calcium, vitamin D and protein. And it's a low fat, um, uh, food, uh, low fat protein. So, um, 
yeah, so that's the added sugar. And then the last one to really look at on the nutrition label is fiber. Um, so fiber, the goal is three grams of fiber or more most of the time. So when you're shopping, you know, if you want to give your health an A, um, 90% of the time you're choosing those foods with three grams of total fiber or dietary fiber or more. Um, so that means we don't need to be buying those fiber one products to get our fiber goal because one, that's going to cause a lot of GI distress, like bloating and, um, things like that, uncomfortable <laughs> pains. Um, so getting your fiber from natural sources would be a much better for your GI tract. Um, and then you're going to get all the other nutrients as well. So, um, just the three grams or more is all you do. You don't need to be shooting for, you know, 15 grams of fiber in a product. Um, so those are the highlights that I would say on the nutrition label, Mark. Um, I know if you have diabetes, I would recommend looking at the total carbohydrates um, because that is including everything in the, sh the sugar as well in is included into the total carbohydrates. So if you have diabetes and you're trying to watch your blood sugars, you don't need to be looking at the added sugar that's just for heart health, which is important as well. But for, you know, blood sugar control, you're just needing to look at the total carbohydrates because everything below those um, is counted in. So um, I, I think it was really interesting to listen to um, a recent, well, it's not actually that recent, um, uh, from the Journal of American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, um, how they studied nutrient claims and whether um, the claims on the front of the package increased consumers um, purchasing those products. Um, and it was really interesting because actually there was no change from 2008 to 2012. So you can see we probably need to redo this study so we can see more recent because um, <clears throat> I think there are more claims out there than maybe in those in that time frame. Um, but some claims um, such as low sodium were lower in other products, but not always. So for example, if you had um, like a low calorie, I don't know, cereal, and then you compared it to something, uh, an, another cereal, it doesn't necessarily mean it was low calorie amongst all cereals. They really can't take the time to compare all cereals on the market. Um, it's, it's more so like low calorie compared to one regular brand cereal. Um, so a low calorie cereal may not actually be lower than the next one sitting right next to it. So that's why it's just really good to turn that, um, box over and look at the nutrition label. That's awesome. That's super what do you helpful. Think? I'm having some, I'm having some mic issues too. So I hope that's not coming through on your end, but I was getting I a little weird there no for a second. So, um, yeah, I think that's super helpful. And you mentioned it too. One of the big things. So apart from label reading, we, we kind of talk about it. I'm in, I'm in books, uh, you know, full time. I work at a publishing company. And so, you know, keep in mind that the front of a food package is a cover, right? It's like a cover of a book. It's, a, it's meant to grab your attention to, uh, in a good sense, sort of lure you in, entice you in with the story, with the, the message, uh, with the benefit to you. Um, there's in, in my line of work, we have something we call a felt need, right? Does it, does it, does it attach to a felt need or does it poke at a felt need that you have? And so some of those marketing claims on the front 
are there to prod at a felt need. Oh, it's, it's low calorie, it's low sodium. And those are things that resonate with us because we feel like we have a need to, of course, sometimes make healthier decisions. Uh, but as is the case with a book, you've got to get into the ca- content in order to get into the, um, the details. And so that's what that label is on the back. So going from the cover to the content and understanding that, and I think you did a great job just giving us an overview of some things to look for in that. And you mentioned it kind of one of my biggest thoughts is just everything in context, right? And so another lens, not only looking back at that nutrition label, understanding it, um, reading through again, the calories, the fat, the fiber, the sugar, um, and have some fun with that too. Just kind of learn what's in your food, learn um, um, the ingredients that are being used and which foods uh, you like that are more nutrient dense than others. Um, but keep in mind that and you, you alluded to this too, that everything is in context, right? And so a lot of times people say like, Oh, I got, I got the low calorie version. Well, the question is what's your calorie goal for the day? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to maintain weight? Are you trying to gain weight? Um, you know, or it's high protein is super relative. Like I would say an egg is high protein. It's only six grams of protein though. A lot of people are shocked to figure that out. Right. And then you could have a, um, a protein shake that says it's high protein as well. And that's 30 grams, right? You could have a bar, uh, a nutrition bar of some sort, and it could say high protein and be nine grams. And so it's really kind of relative. So the question is though, what's your protein goal for the day? Um, and are you achieving that? Does that food help you get there in an efficient way? You know, good source of fiber. That's great. And you outlined some, you know, um, a framework for that in, in terms of how we can think numerically. But again, in context, are you hitting your fiber goal? Like eating a bar that says good source of fiber doesn't mean you hit your fiber goal for the day. Um, and so all of that in context, I think, is just super key. Um, and so. Again, not opposed to marketing at all. You just have to think a little bit deeper about some of these things. And I've got a couple terms, too, that um, come up most often, I think, in talking with folks and in seeing this in the grocery store. So I pulled out just four terms just to kind of give you an idea of, um, <clears throat> again, some of the, the claims being made, words that are being used, and a little bit of the context for those. So number one is natural. We see this a lot, you know, uh, the term natural on a label, and that's good. Um, it's a good word. And so it generally elicits sort of a positive response in us in that felt need situation. But keep in mind that there's no formal definition as stated by the FDA or the USDA of what constitutes natural. So now the FDA has said in general, um, this means that there's uh, no artificial or synthetic uh, ingredients used. Uh, again, in general, it's not enforced, but that's sort of a general guidance. Uh, but marketers take creative liberties with that. Uh, the USDA, you know, they allow it on meat and poultry. Um, if it contains no artificial ingredients, uh, must be minimally processed. The label must explain the term. And so you'll see, you know, on a USDA uh, product, it may say natural. Um, and then underneath that, it may say something like no added colors or minimally processed or no dyes, whatever that is. So uh, so the term natural is a, is a term used quite a bit. Just keep in mind, there's no formal definition. That doesn't legally or meet a specific legal criteria to be on that package. Um, another one is is local. See this, uh, there's a bit of a local movement. Um, in fact, I think there's a term out there. I haven't heard it a lot, but I think there are some people that consider themselves local vores. And this is where they try to eat only food that is uh, made within a certain distance of where they live and they're local vores. Um, I hope, yeah, I think that's how they pronounce it. Um, 
local vor. I don't know, something like that. Um, but there's no definitive definition for that. There's no set distance, you know, so it could be local and made hundreds of miles away at times. Okay. In some states. And so, um, keep in mind that, that, that term, uh, can be endearing because a lot of times we want to help our local community, but there's no regulated term or definition or use of that as well. So again, it's, it's a marketing, it's a liberty that marketers are using. Um, whole is a big one too, but there's no regulatory definition for what constitutes whole. Now it generally refers to foods that are not processed or refined, um, and don't have any added ingredients, but there's liberties that marketers take with using words like whole or saying whole grains or includes whole grains or made with whole something. And is what happens is that as consumers, we tend to just see the word whole and think good. And perhaps sometimes we prefer that over something else. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean that food is bad by any means. Um, it just means that we've got to be, again, a little bit more uh, nuanced in how we think through some of these claims. And the last one that I, I pulled out um, has more teeth to it is organic. So this is one that is, it has specific criteria and it actually has a legal meaning per the USDA. Okay. But there's kind of three different buckets for organic. A lot of times we hear organic or we see organic um, and we don't know that there's even within that certifiable criteria, there are three different tiers. A lot of times, as long as we just read, no matter what it says, if it says organic, we sort of just put it into one bucket. Oh, this is organic and it's good. Um, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying there's a little bit more nuance here. So if it says 100% organic, that means that that food is completely organic. Now, that means that there are no conventional pesticides used in the um, agricultural process of that food, but that doesn't mean there's no pesticides. There is an approved list of pesticides with the USDA that these foods can still be considered organic um, while using approved pesticides. So that doesn't mean no pesticides. It means no conventional as it was current, as it was in the past, but there are still um, certain pesticides, chemicals being used, and something can still be 100% organic. But all that's to say that's the first level, or the top level is 100% organic, completely organic. Then there's just organic. Now, most people assume that organic means 100% organic. It doesn't. It means that the product contains at least 95% organic ingredients. Okay. And then there is also, I've seen the rise in this as the organic movement continues to grow. Uh, you see a lot more labels with made with organic ingredients. Okay. Now this has a numerical value attached to it as well. That means that at least 70% of the ingredients have to be organic. It's not a hundred percent. doesn't mean that the whole thing, all the ingredients in a made with organic ingredients food is 100% organic. And so again, nothing against organic. We could probably do a whole nother episode at some point on, you know, organic food selection, which one is worth the additional cost, which one is not, um, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm sure we both have thoughts on that that we could compare our notes on. Um, and if, hey, if you're out there listening and you're curious about that, do us a favor, shoot us, shoot us that question and, and uh, that'll bump it up on our, our priority list to get to it. And so all that's to say, I think we've got kind of some big takeaways. One, move from the cover of the package to the back of the package, okay? Start learning for the sake of your health, for the sake of your family's health. Start learning to read 
nutrition labels as a standard practice. It's kind of funny because, I mean, we're kind of nerds on this stuff. I'm a nerd. And so I've gotten to a point now where I don't even really see the front of the package anymore. Like I pick up food and it's just instinctual. It's right to the back. And so in preparation for this, I had to kind of just like walk through some aisles. I was at a gas station last night on my way to a soccer party and I was just like scanning. I'm like, okay, what are some of these claims in the grocery store or gas stations where on the front of the label? Because it's just so instinctual for me as I pick that up and I just go right to the back. Um, and so it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, that nerdy, uh, but <laughs> moving from those front claims, the, the, the book cover, if you will, to the content or to the back of the book um, is super important. Um, number two, just on the terms, just understand that these terms, um, if, if um, used appropriately, have more nuance than we often think. Okay. And so organic doesn't mean all organic all the time. Um, whole doesn't mean anything specific. Local doesn't necessarily mean it was made within five miles of your house, right? Natural doesn't mean necessarily um, what the FDA or the USDA would hope that it means. And so all that's to say, think through that with discernment. And then three, just remember everything in context. Remember that having a snack that says high in protein doesn't necessarily mean you hit your protein goal. Um, having a, a bar that says lower sodium doesn't necessarily mean you didn't go over your sodium intake for the day. Because keep in mind, if you have enough low sodium snacks, you can still go over 2,300 milligrams or the 1,500 milligrams we're all trying to kind of work within. And so keep all of this stuff in mind. Keep it in context. Um, as with many things in life, there's more nuance. There's a little bit of discernment required. Um, and so uh, hopefully that's been super helpful. So that's those are my thoughts. Daniel, anything to wrap us up? Any last words of wisdom? No, that's that's really good. I guess I was just thinking about like the layout of the grocery store and how they'll put the the milk in the back, you know, because that's the most common needed ingredient, mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. So they get you to go through the whole store. And um, I personally love the pickup option. So I'm no longer having to go through the whole store all the time mm. um, to, you know. I think um, the end caps, you know, are often, you know, marketing to grab your attention, um, some easy grab items. Um, and I did talk about that in one of the articles on our website of um, 12 ways parents can create a healthier environment for their children. Just, oh, very cool. um, yeah, if you wanted right. to check that out, um, it's just not often nutrient dense food sitting there grabbing our attention. <laughs> right. But um, I think one thing is always said sometimes um, by clients I work with is don't shop in the middle of the grocery store, just shop the perimeter. But really, you have the whole grains and you have your heart healthy oils and there's a lot of good things in the middle. So we don't mm -hmm. need to be afraid of any part of the grocery store. Um, just thinking about um, knowing, you know, like it, like we talked about, I love how you summed it up in those three or four points, knowing what your goals are and looking at the back of the label. <laughs> Very cool. Don't be tricked. Well, don't be tricked. Exactly. And, and by the way, grocery stores are getting smarter and they've heard that mantra too. just shop on the outside aisle. So they've moved things around. They've been doing this a while. <laughs> yeah, There's I mean, a reason they're successful at it. And so, um, yeah, don't, don't again, but, but don't, don't be afraid of the middle. There's, there's a lot of good things in the middle. So um, yeah, with that, um, I think we did it. And so if we can help you, by the way, if you have any specific 
uh, individual considerations for this. This is again, kind of a flyby, um, but if you've got specific needs um, that we can help address um, or work through with you, reach out to us, we'd love to help. You can always uh, get in touch with us at our website, imagonutrition.com, that's I-M-A-G-O.com slash contact. Uh, that's a form that will send an email to both Danielle and I, uh, if we can help you through any uh, specific goals that you have for yourself, uh, for your family, as it comes to nutrition and wellness, of course. And so with that, um, if this uh, episode was uh, helpful for you, which we hope it was, that's why we do it, feel free to subscribe. We would love to um, have you as a part of the podcast family, and that will make sure that you get our new episodes automatically um, on your device. And so uh, leave us a review as well, if you don't mind. Uh, let us know how we're doing. We love uh, seeing that and share it with a friend. Uh, that would be one of the ways that we can um, help more people with this podcast, which is, again, why we do what we do. So if you're on social media, you can follow us. We're at Imago Nutrition, I-M-A-G-O. So across all the platforms, at Imago Nutrition. And as always, a big thanks to the band Happy Pill for our theme song, Thinking About Food. <laughs>